Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. We're still hanging out in Jeremiah, and we've got a couple more uh, weeks to go, this week and next week. Uh, and then we look forward to Zane uh, preaching, I think, beginning, was it the 12th, something like that, uh, and uh, just excited about what, what God has in store. Um, if, if you're, you know, as I, just by way of reminder, what we're doing in Jeremiah is not just reading through it as a, a form of history, but we're trying to discern how to live life at its best. And we're using this unlikely prophet to help us be able to discern that. Uh, help us figure that out, this weeping prophet, and we've seen that he really does have some things that he has to offer. And I think one of the things we can see from Jeremiah that if you're, if you're going to live life at its best, there needs to be this balance between two extremes when it comes to sin. Uh, one extreme is uh, that when we find ourselves not taking our sin seriously enough, and that's what Jeremiah was concerned about. That's really the bulk of his message is to people who were, who were there. In, in Jeremiah, and I, I think really throughout the Bible, and kind of hear me out on this, forgiveness is conditional. And I know that's not a kind of very, very popular message, but I just don't read in my Bible that I can ignore God's will for my life and then expect His mercy to say, just don't worry about it. Um, and we're, we're not talking about struggling with sin. Um, actually, what we're talking about is not struggling with sin and just accepting it as this is the way I am, it's the way I'm going to be, I don't care what God says, I'm just going to live my life the way that I want to live it. There is an accusation uh, that God makes um, against uh, the priest and the prophets of Jeremiah's day. It's actually found twice. We'll read it from 1, Jeremiah 6.14. He says, these, these priests and prophets, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. And so they were just kind of condoning, just do whatever you want, and you know, we're God's chosen people, it's all going to be okay. Um, and that's, um, that is one end of the continuum here when it comes to sin. I just kind of ignore it. I don't take it seriously at all. But today, I'm concerned about the other end of the continuum. Uh, and that is not so much a matter of taking our sin too seriously, but when we find ourselves uh, really not able to forgive us. And one of the problems that goes along with that is usually we have a hard time accepting God's forgiveness of us, uh, forgiveness of us as, as well. For any number of reasons, we're just haunted by our, our past sin. There's a passage in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, where Satan is described as the accuser. That's the title that's given to him. And in that scene, he is portrayed as standing before God day and night, accusing uh, the brothers and sisters. He, he's accusing. Uh, in other words, God, do you, do you see what he's doing? God, God do you, do you, did you hear what she just said? And, and day and night, he's just continually making these accusations against us. And the point of that passage is the accuser has been hurled down. He was defeated by the blood of the lamb. But sometimes it's like we're, we're still feeling that pointy little finger uh, in, in our direction. 
Well, uh, life at its best uh, is, is, is lived that way when we are not weighed down by the guilt that is associated with something for which we've already been forgiven. Uh, it, it's just, that's, that's the way God wants us to live. And fortunately, Jeremiah has something to say about that. If you've been reading Jeremiah, uh, you know that just chapter after chapter, there are these accusations and this condemnation and this, you know, this, this you know, talk about uh, punishment and exile. And then you come to a section that begins in about chapter 29 and goes on for another two or three chapters uh, that is of such a different tone. And I really would encourage you to read that section, especially maybe verses or chapters 29, 30, and 31, uh, where Jeremiah talks about restoration. Yeah, uh, it's bad right now. You're headed to Babylon. Uh, your nation is being destroyed. But God talks about this period of, of restoration. I want to pick up in chapter 31, uh, starting in verse 10. Where I, I like the way this is framed. Listen to this message from the Lord. You nations of the world, proclaim it in distant coastlands. So this is not just being spoken to, um, to, to Judah, but God wants everybody to know this is what's going on. Here's, here's what God is up to. The Lord who scattered his people will gather them and watch over them as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. They will come home and sing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem. They will be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts, the abundant crops of grain, new wine and olive oil, and the healthy flocks and herds. Their life will be like a watered garden and their sorrows will be gone. And this is spoken to people who are either in Babylon or on their way to Babylon. It's not going to be this way forever. He goes on and says, The young women will dance for joy, and the men, old and young, will join in the celebration. I'm really excited about that part. Uh, in heaven, I'm going to be a great dancer. Um, on earth, not so much. You can ask my wife about that. But we're, we're all going to join in this great celebration. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. And then he'll uh, go on and talk about what's going to happen next. So instead of, of punishment and condemnation, there is going to be grace and mercy. Instead of feeling the brunt of God's anger, they're going to feel God's joy. And they, this happens not because they finally got it right. It wasn't because they, they took Jeremiah's message to heart and they're repenting now and they're living the way God wants them to live, they're going to come home because God is going to be faithful to the covenant. Even though they have broken the covenant time and time again, He is still going to be their God, they're still going to be His people, and He's going to bring home this remnant um, and, and replant them. They're going to again commit themselves to God's covenant. They are again going to fail to live up to it. But, but that's why God is doing all of this, because He is God, and uh, He is faithful to His Word, and He's going to take care of His people. So this idea of God's covenant with them uh, is, is what has led to all this. Now, in pointing to this, God let Jeremiah in on a little secret. Uh, he, he told him what he was really up to and what was going to happen, and something even better that he had in mind for his for his people. And it continues on in verse 31. A very familiar passage from Jeremiah. The day is coming, says the Lord, 
when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of, uh, land of Egypt. And he's talking about the covenant that was established with Moses when the, the Ten Commandments were given and all the other commandments that were a part of that covenant. not going to be like that. It's going to be different. They broke that covenant. But I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this, uh, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, not just on tablets of stone, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. If you're in that old covenant, you were there because of your physical lineage. You were there because you were born in the nation of Israel. You were circumcised on the eighth day. And that, that means you're in. You may not know God. And that's what we see in Jeremiah for centuries. They really haven't known much about God at all. But they're part of the covenant people. God says in this new covenant, people who are in the covenant are people who know me. They, they are in this covenant because they have been brought there, uh, being led uh, by the hand of God's son, Jesus. And so everyone in this covenant has this relationship with God. And he says, what the best part really is, and I will forgive their wickedness. I will forgive their wickedness. Now, if, if that's all he said here, there was a period at, right after the word wickedness. I, I'd, be, I'd be good with that. Um, I, I, I like that. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that, that works for me. Um, just to, to, and maybe that's the best we can hope for sometimes is that, well, God will forgive us. But maybe there's a part of us where we think, um, you know, I, I know God has forgiven me, but uh, God knows everything. And so God still knows what I've done. And maybe there's going to be a time when, when God is going to kind of bring this back up. And, uh, and, I, and I wonder if, if that's really going to, going to still be there at some point. And then God tells Jeremiah something that I think is so relevant to this problem of being haunted by sins of our past. Right after this, and I will forgive their wickedness, God adds, and I will never again remember their sin. I will never again even remember those sins. Somehow, you know, God knows everything, but somehow, because He's God, God has chosen to Remove that sin from his consciousness so that it doesn't even exist anymore. I will never again remember those sins. It's like, you know, I do something and I, you know, that I know it's wrong and I, and I, I go to God and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me for this? I feel really bad about this. And God says, yes, because of my relationship with Jesus. And then, but maybe, a, you know, a week later, it's still bothering me and, and I go to God again and say, God, I just feel really, I still feel really bad about that. Would you forgive me for what I did? And God says, what, what are you talking about? Did, did what? <laughs> it's, it's this, it has been removed from his consciousness. He's not even going to remember it anymore. And we've heard God use such strong and descriptive language about uh, this punishment. Uh, that he's that he's exacting on uh, the people of Judah for breaking that covenant with God, and now he uses equally 
strong and descriptive language to describe this new covenant, a covenant of love. He goes on in the, the very next verse. And I love the way he sets this up. He says, it is the Lord who provides the sun to light the day and the moon and stars to light the nature, uh, to light the, the night and who stirs the sea into roaring waves. So he's calling upon God as creator, God, the one who sustains nature. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies. And this is what he says. In other words, the God that keeps the, the, the stars where they belong and keeps the planets in orbit and the sun working and all this stuff, this God uh, he's the Lord of heaven's army. And this is what he says. So he's, he's got our attention. What, what does God have to say? I am as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish those laws of nature. Uh, keeping the, the planets in orbit, God says I'm as likely to reject my people as I am to abolish the laws of nature. And from a Christian reading of Jeremiah, this word Israel, he's, just not, he's not just talking about that physical nation that is in the Middle East that's still with us today. That's, that's not what he's talking about. You read the book of Romans, you be, read the book of Hebrews, um, and make it really clear that Israel now, God's chosen people, the church, that, that Christians, we are God's chosen people. And so he's talking about us. This, this new covenant that we're in with God he is as likely to reject us as he is to abolish the laws of nature. He keeps going. He says, this is what the Lord says. Just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored, so I will not consider casting them away for the evil they have done. And then he seals it by saying, I, the Lord, have spoken. Here's what God says. Here's what God said. And what you have in between is God saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Your, your sins are not going to drive me away. And then I, I want to leave um, Jeremiah just for a moment because God says something very similar to this in the book of Psalms. I think it's just so wonderful. In Psalm 103, he says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And he lists some of those good things. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth <clears throat> is renewed like the eagles. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. The same thing he just said in Jeremiah. He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Um, you know, that, that just is almost too much to handle. It's almost too good to believe, isn't it? You know those, those sins that maybe sometimes from the past that haunt us? Or maybe those sins of today that haunt us and make us feel weighed down. Here's how far that sin is from God. It is as far as the east is from the west. It, it is as far as everlasting to everlasting. In other words, from eternity to eternity. Uh, it is, that sin is as far from God as the heavens are 
above the earth. Can those forgiven sins ever come back and hurt our relationship with God? Only if the laws that govern the sun, the moon, and the stars are snuffed out. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out. That's how thoroughly and completely and fully God has forgiven us. I want to close today with a question and an assignment. And maybe this question is relevant for you. If not, there's probably someone you know of it is, and you can help them as they navigate the question. Here's, here's the question. If, if this is how fully and completely God has forgiven you, why can't you forgive me? If, if God has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, why can't you forgive you? Why can't you accept that? Why are you? Why do we find ourselves at times holding on to something and letting it diminish our relationship with God? And rather than living life at its best, we feel weighed down when as far as God exists, God is concerned, it, it doesn't even exist anymore. It's like the accuser still has the case against us, but the accuser has been cast down. And we've got Jesus standing between us and him. And so it, it just, it just, you know, what we're doing when we're holding on to that is just so destructive to our spiritual well-being. And really, there's no point in doing that because as far as God is concerned, it doesn't exist. Now, I know I, I think sometimes, well, yeah, but that's just, you know, I'm going to do that again and I, I keep messing up. But each time, God's grace is big enough to handle that. And so if God feels that way about us, why, why can't we feel that way about us? You know, and an activity that I enjoyed for years was backpacking, uh, especially in the, in, I loved going to the Rocky Mountains and putting on a backpack and going out for, you know, a few days. And uh, the, the ground is too hard now for me to keep doing that. Uh, but I've got such special memories of those times. You know, it, it was always hard. It wasn't an easy thing to do. But it was, it was still enjoyable because of just the beauty of some of those mountain vistas of you know taking mountain passes that are 12,000 feet above sea level and these beautiful valleys where you see wildflowers growing in a meadow that no one has planted other than God himself and drinking water from a, a cold stream where you can look up and you can see the ice pack where that water that was the source of that water and sleeping beside streams like that I just that was such an enjoyable thing to do but imagine standing at the trailhead and someone puts about 50 pounds of rock in your backpack. Uh, and now that's what you're going to carry with you. Well, this is no longer an enjoyable journey. It's, it's torture. And, and rather than enjoying the, you know, the, the beautiful meadows and the vistas and the streams, I'm just, I'm just drudging along. I am miserable and I'm just, I'm just trying to survive. And I, I'm, I regret ever going on this. And I just hang on to the end. What God has done is given us permission to take the rocks out of the backpack. There's, there's this sin. And God says, just, just drop that thing. Just, just, just drop it. But, but God, I, I, I did this. And I, and I feel the weight of that. God says, take that out. There is this failure. And God says, just let that go. And, and so... What Jesus has said is, 
Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will, I will give you rest. But if you're burdened today by the sins of your past or the sins of today, just think how far Jesus went to remove that sin. And it is as gone, as, as far away from God as the east is from the west. And so there's no need to do that. And, I, and I, that really leads to the assignment. I've heard the question, why can't we forgive ourselves? The assignment, it's a sermon, we've got to have something to do, right? We read our Bibles more, we pray more, you know, we go to church more, we give more. Here's, here's your assignment for this week. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy your status as a member of this covenant of love. As a participant in, in that covenant. Uh, you, if you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you right now are destined for eternity to spend with God. It, it, that's, that is your destiny. And so just go with that. Bask in the joy of a love that God has for you that rather than seeing you at your worst, leads God to see you at your best because He is looking at you through Jesus. I think life at its best is lived with this sense of just absolute amazement. Absolute amazement at what it means to be in this covenant of love. This is how you and I were meant to live. And so I give you permission in the name of Jesus, not my own authority, but in the name of Jesus, to just let all that go. All those things that hinder you, they are gone. And so just let them go. I want us to hear from Jeremiah again as we, as we close. And I'd like for you to stand as I read these words once again. <clears throat> it's talking about us. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will already know me. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. It is the Lord who provides the sun to light the day and the moon and stars to light the night and who stirs the sea into roaring waves. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies. And this is what he says. I am as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish the laws of nature. This is what the Lord says. Just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundation of the earth cannot be explored, so I will not consider casting them away for all the evil they have done. I, the Lord, have spoken. Father, thank you so much for this covenant, this deal that you struck with us where our, our sins are just completely removed. And uh, it was because the sacrifice that Jesus made was strong enough to do that. And we accept that. Sometimes we, we struggle with it. Sometimes we think that that's for other people, but not for us. Sometimes we think that maybe you've forgiven us, but you're still mad at us. Sometimes we, we kind of carry those sins around and they just weigh us down. 
I'm praying for those of us who are here this morning that we'll just feel the burden lifted. We'll feel the burden lifted. And that we will know and just trust, even when we don't feel it, that your grace is sufficient. And we can move forward with a new attitude about life, about this world, about uh, your purposes for us in this world, because we are going forth as people who have been made clean by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for that, Father. Help us to bask in the glory of that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated.